This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. Uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. And hello, everybody, and welcome to the Charlie Harari Show. Great to have you on. Great to be with you again. Another week has gone by. It's amazing how quick these weeks go, right? It just seems to just fly by as we head ourselves into March on the way to April. It's amazing how quickly spring is coming and spring is going. And a minute from now, we'll be like, oh my gosh, how did it get to summer? So much is going on in the world. Since we've spoken last, the world literally turned upside down because of the terrorist bombings in Brussels. 31, I think 34, whatever the latest number is, people killed in two bombings, one in an airport and one in a subway. Really just the trying to hit, I guess, at the, the core of society, which is that, that's just sort of how... Um, the Islamic State works. That's how I, I. That's how ISIS works. They try to not just hurt people. They try to really get to the core of our fears and hit us there, so we can just never sort of recover. Even if you've recovered physically, or you're watching it, you always have something in the back of your mind. You can't really get through your life. And whenever there's a terrorist attack that goes off, it pays for us to take a minute and sort of understand it. And allow ourselves to not only just be scared of it or feel bad, which are two very important initial feelings, but to learn lessons from it. That's what I want to talk today about today on the show. I want to try to delve into a terrorist attack and understand very specific lessons that each of us should really take away from it. Because when something of this magnitude happens, there is... This is not something that, that we sort of look at in the morning and sort of like go through a few hours of sort of like tutting, you know, like it's terrible and it's terrible and it's terrible and like feeling bad and it's terrible and then sort of like allowing ourselves to like, oh, yeah, but it's there. It's Europe. It's not really here. It's there. And we don't know. And like just sort of all that justification starts to get in and you sort of get into like back to life and it's a few days later and you're like as if like it never happened. If two bombs go off in the middle of Europe at the capital of the EU – and and not only that, but since then, on Thursday, they had uh, uncovered a plot that was supposed to take place in France from one of the Belgium guys. Because just to understand that Belgium has become one of the centers of jihadist radicalization. If you the way that there there's such an in, increase of migration into Belgium, and Muslims from all over the world came. And they're not integrated in society whatsoever. And so they keep these sort of like pockets of enclaves of people that live within themselves. They're not integrated into the culture. They don't have jobs. And this is sort of like a hotbed where jihadists and radicalizers come in to inculcate their ideology into the Muslims living in Belgium and in, in in particular in Brussels, and this is just sort of the this is sort of like the hub of it, 
Right? And a lot of this sort of came, if you remember, because they actually tracked one of the participants in the France massacre back to Belgium. That's sort of where they, they were plotting. Belgium and Syria right now are the two capitals of the Islamic fundamentalism. But it's something that goes a little bit deeper, and I want to sort of like talk it through a little bit today. And maybe we can walk away with a couple of really important things to sort of think about. You know, a lot of times when you're an American, you live in a world where we seem to treat people with a certain level of mutual respect. Right? It's sort of how we were raised. And we assume that the reason why things are bad is because they didn't get the right level of upbringing. But if we can just sort of like talk them through it a little bit, like give them a little more help, you know, help them here, help them there, you know, give them this program and that program, like it'll all be better. Right? The the fundamental core of the Obama presidency is that the reason why people hate us is because they don't know us and if like they really got to know us they're gonna love us because who don't who who wouldn't love us i love us right like george bush was like a guy who was like a warmonger and he went around killing you know people in the middle east and that's probably why they hate us but we the obama administration is like we're good guys you know we're gonna go walk around and we're gonna like you know say peace 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 we'll say it in, you know in, in arabic we'll say it in different languages and we'll go around the country go around the world and sort of say hey we're here and once we do that everyone's gonna be like oh <laughs> you know beforehand we had a guy that was bombing stuff but i'm so happy america that you've stretched out this olive branch and we're going to take it and then we're going to live and be whole hands we'll sing kumbaya we'll like you know play like you know you know some like you know sports together we can go play soccer or we can sort of have a hacky sack around and like you know everything will be great and that by the way i believe was one of the greatest failures in the obama administration right if you remember the beginning of his administration Right. His first thing that he did basically was he went around on this tour, spoke in Egypt, right, reached out his hand to the world, snubbed Israel. You know, he's like, Israel, stay to the back. You're you're the problem. You know, the issue is that we've been behind you for so long. And when we go behind you, all these Arab countries sort of think that we're not with them. So I'm going to change that. Barack Obama has this policy of like, just don't mess things up. Right, like the the word from Hillary Clinton, if you remember, was "Don't do stupid stuff." Right, like don't mess anything up. Everyone's okay. Just like you know, sort of like you know, don't really bomb things. Don't hurt. Just, just we don't want to engage in any level of war. Right. The, the, one of the most pivotal moments of his presidency was when he basically said in front of everybody. Well, he actually he actually said in front of everybody. He said that if um, the Syrian president. Um, would use chemical warfare, that would be a a clear, clear red line that he would be crossing, and America would respond with real um, warfare. And then Bashar al-Assad, the Syrian president, actually used chemical weapons. The Pentagon got reports of it, and then Obama's like, well, (laughs) no, I was going to do it, but I'm not. And at that point, the entire world's like, really? You know, the American sort of, like, credibility just sort of, like, melted in front of all their eyes. And it all comes from this mentality that Barack Obama has is that if it's if you can just sort of, like, don't antagonize them because otherwise they're going to be our friends. This is a real sort of, like, leftist way of seeing the world. That everybody deep down is, it's, it's just, it's the society that's ruined them. Now, I think a part of that's kind of true. I think that everyone deep down is a good person. I think everyone deep down has a soul, and that soul comes from God, and that that piece of the soul is a good thing. But at some point, you cross a place, and you're at a point of no return. And our job 
is not necessarily to play to you until you figure it out. Our job is first and foremost to protect ourselves. Now, the le- this lesson was clear as day to me years ago. Um, when I was, I'll never forget, there was a story that took place in Israel, and I was watching it on the news one, one afternoon, and I was so sick to my stomach. But when I saw what I saw, my whole life changed. And, I, and I, it was just one of the most... You never have that in life sometimes where, like, you see something and, like, when you just see it, just seeing it, like, it just changes your entire life. That's it. You never go back. You can never be the same person. Almost like when you see it, you know it. Like, you know deep down that, like, I just saw something that I'll never, ever go back from. Forget, forget. I will never be the same person again. And the story, it was years ago. I'll never forget it. I was watching the news on a Friday afternoon. And there was a story coming out of Israel of two guys that got lost. One guy was a 30-year-old guy with two little kids at home. And one guy was a 20-something-year-old that had just gotten married. And this one guy's got a bride sitting at home waiting for him. And this other guy's got a wife and two little kids at home. And they're, drive, they're, dri- they're driving through Israel. You know, and if you if ever if everyone's ever been to Israel before, it, the, when you go in certain sections, like, you know, on like one side of the road is like a real Arab town. The other side of the road is like an Israeli town. And, like, everybody knows, like, don't go into this town. Like, just don't do it because once you go in there, who knows? So these guys, it was dark at night or um, or whatever it was, and they had gotten lost. And the sun came up, and they found themselves um, in an Arab town. They had made a wrong turn somewhere, and they had pulled in to a real Arab town. Now, the... Palestinians at that point sort of gotten noticed because the Israel the plates the the license plates from the cars in Israel actually are different colors if you're Israeli or if you're Palestinian. So these yellow license plates had pulled into town and word sort of got out that two Israelis were in town. Now this took place right after the uh, the Camp David sort of accords. You know when like there's supposed to be some level of peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis, and they had actually funded some of these police stations in the middle of some of these Palestinian territories to be to serve as sort of deterrence. You know some level of force, some law and order in these towns. So the Israelis knew about this. These two Israeli guys, they understood that they had just signed this peace deal, and they were going to, um, you know these Palestinian police stations were sort of supposed to be like sort of neutral territory. So they go, well, you know what? Let's, there's a police station up the road. Let's run into the police station because I don't know if the mob will let us live, but maybe the police station will. So meanwhile, the mob is forming around the car. These guys jump out of the car and they run into the police station. And they run literally into the room and they say, we're Israeli guys. We got lost. Please just call the army and they'll pick us up. Like just, you know. And... The at that point, and you can see this on the news, and, I'll, and if anybody who wants, you can just sort of email me, and I'll send you this link. It's Charlie at charlieharari dot com, and the entire police station was being surrounded by a mob of Palestinian men, and twenty, thirty, forty, a hundred, two hundred. There was actually a British reporter that was stumbled across this. He had actually gone to these Palestinian areas to report on all of the injustice that the Israelis had done to them, so to speak. And he was following them and he was so so taken by what he was seeing. It was a frenzy that was taking place right around these Israel the 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 the, the, the um the station. 
And the mob was chanting for these two Israelis. Chanting, chanting, chanting. Kill them, kill them, kill them, kill them, kill them. This British reporter is can't believe himself. These are the people that just minutes ago were saying how they're living in these tiny little places and they've got nothing and the Israelis are totally not taking care of them well and they're they're this they're they feel totally dejected and now these same people are chanting with like foam coming out of their mouths for the death of two innocent guys. These weren't even soldiers, just two regular guys. And what was supposed to be a safe haven for these guys ended up becoming the the greatest trap because the Palestinian police, as opposed to protecting them, opened the doors and the mob filled the room. And they ripped these guys to shreds. To shreds. And there was a picture that I saw on the news that this British reporter caught of a Palestinian man. His hands were dripping in blood. He must have ripped a limb off of that poor Israeli. And his hands were red. They were red. You know, like dripping red, as if he put his hands into a paint can of red paint. That's what it was like. The palms were filled with blood. I'll never forget this scene. And he goes to the window... The window had like a bar on it, you know? And he sticks his hands out the window and you see the blood dripped off his hands. And the mob, the crowd sees the bloody hands and they roar. And this British reporter says, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Are these human beings? These are people that are roaring at the sight of blood of two other innocent people just because they weren't them. And I'll never forget it my whole life because as an American, I believe at my core that it's just society. It's because they don't know us. It's because we're not more open it's because of a million reasons, but if we can just sit around a table and talk, they're gonna it, no, there, there won't be any more hate. Give peace a chance. And I am watching a grown man with the blood of two innocent civilians dripping off his hands and a crowd of people cheering as if he's holding up a trophy from winning the championship. And at that moment, I realized something really important that you must as well. That there's evil in the world. And if you're not evil, you're going to justify it. You're going to say to yourself, nah, nah I don't know what's going on, but it's not the whole story. You're going to be able to say, hey, maybe it's not here. Maybe it's not real. Maybe we can just reach out. And what you don't realize is that when somebody is so depraved that they connect to this level of evil, in some ways, there's no going back. What we're fighting against is not just a few people here. The fight is against individuals that have become so radicalized that they are in the embodiment of evil. They will take the blood of innocent people and shouted and cheered. Do you know that when the bombs went off in Brussels, 
ISIS was passing out candies to their people who were taking, the kids were taking the candies and they were cheering the deaths of innocent civilians. I remember when I was in, I was in Columbia University at the time during 9-11. I'll never forget the day of my whole life. And I had gotten into the room, and I had seen this before 9-11, what, this, the story that I told you with the guy with the bloody hands. So I was prepared for this, but nobody else was. Most of my friends who were good American you know, guys and girls. They, they had never experienced any level of terrorism. They never would even think that other people would hate them this much for not even knowing them. And I'll never forget that Columbia, in the middle of its hall, had put up two screens to cover the 9-11 you know, terrorist attack. And one was the tower. And everyone was watching the tower, the tower, the tower. The second one, though, was they had um, a feed into certain Palestinian towns. And on the one hand, you see people dying. On the other hand, you see people celebrating. I'll never forget, a friend of mine turned to me and he said, Charlie, why are they celebrating? And I turned to him and I said, I'm sorry to say this to you, but they hate you. And he goes, they hate me? They don't even know me. He said, I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't sound logical, but it's the truth. Unless we recognize this, we're in for a long problem. Unless we recognize that there is an element of individuals who believe to their core that we are infidels, that our existence is pulling them away from the eternity that they so desire, unless we believe that there are individuals that are so indoctrinated with hate that they almost become different human beings in their actions. They don't play by the rules of humanity. Unless we can digest that and understand it and see it face to face, we're going to leave our children in a less safe place. And the utter failure of our administration, the existence of ISIS, ISIS's best friend is sitting in our White House because no matter what happens, he refuses to stare at it and go, evil. He refuses to look at it and go, this is evil and we will eradicate it. He dances and justifies and dances and plays and goes to Cuba and watches a baseball game. Then he tangos the next day in Argentina. He just can't get himself around the idea that we have a cancer in society that is growing by leaps and bounds. And the countries that have the capacity to wipe it out won't because they don't call it what it is. They will not say Islamic fundamentalists. It doesn't mean all of Islam. I don't believe that. There are a lot of peaceful Muslims out there, but you need to call it what it is. It is a sect of Islam that believes at their core that if you are not one of them, you are deservant of death. And we, as humanity, need to be able to be strong enough to call it what it is. You know, this is what life's about, I think. When we come back, we're going to talk about what does it mean to call it what it is. It's not just terrorism. It's every aspect of our lives. Because if we don't, we end up losing our ability to make the change. Listening to The Charlie Harari Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We'll be right back. Delving into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. 
Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. A local government in Japan is going to hire six full-time ninjas who can do acrobatics and are happy about posing for pictures with tourists. You know, if I if, uh, if I remember correctly about ninjas, one of the big things about them is um they're kind of unseen. But you know, it, it can't stop for a picture. I would a I would say so. no. They probably don't. It kind of compromises their ninjiness. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to The Charlie Harari Show. Speaking about terrorism, what took place last week in Brussels, and just what it means to stare at evil and call it for what it is. You know, it's really important in life when you can look at something that is wrong, and as opposed to justifying it and saying it's this and it's that, and it's a group, it's a splinter group, it's just, just to call it out for what it is. Unless you can do that well, you're never going to be able to solve the problem. And that, I believe, is what's going on in our, our society. We are so scared to call it what it is. We are scared to say it's Islamic fundamentalists that are, are taking over parts of the world. They are filling the void of power through Iran and through Iraq and Syria. They are totally under the nose, taking over major cities like France and Brussels. They are all throughout Europe. They've got camps in America. And we, as the rest of the Western world, are can't even fathom the stuff that they talk about. And as a result, we are always behind the eight ball because we just can't believe that this is going on. So we will not call it out. You will not see the European Union get together, hold hands, and say, it's these, it's this, it's Islamic fundamentalists. And this is where they are. This is where we're taking them down. And by the way, they are in, they're in our own places. They're in our own cities. They won't do that. They're going to dance around what it is because they want to be politically correct. And then it, they're going to, the enemies, the terrorists, will use that political correctness against them. It's an unbelievable thing, political correctness and how it can totally destroy people. But it's not just about that. Let's let's learn something from it because I think this is really important. This is what life's about. In life, we all have our moments of struggle. We all have things that we do that bring us down. We are the we are falling over the same stumbling block year after year, right? We're always trying to lose that weight. We're always trying to repair that relationship. We're always trying to get get better at work. We're always trying to do things that are stop smoking, get a job. We're always trying to push ourselves to that next level. And we can't seem to figure out how to get there. And how come? And maybe it's because we don't even call out the evil for what it is. We don't call it out. We don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, I am lazy in this area. I just am. Hey, this friend is actually destroying my life. I used to have someone work for me. Great guy. Incredible guy. He was rising on the ranks of my company. And then 
like on a dime, he turns around and he is completely un- unreliable, untrustworthy, and he starts spiraling out, of, spiraling out of control. I said, what's going on? He goes, well, my buddy's back from California. He moved there for a bunch of years, and now he's back. And I'm like, what? And he explains to me, he goes, when he comes back, I guess I'm up all night and this and that. You know, we're good friends, and I can't work in the morning because he wants to party and gets this and he gets these drugs. And I'm like, you know, your friend's killing. He goes, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, it's clear as day. You have a friend like that? I'm not saying they're evil, but you have a friend like that? Every time you're with them, you seem to drop, do the things you shouldn't be doing. You're you're worse to your family. You're worse to yourself. Then, by the way, I ended up this guy ended up leaving the company. It, it, I didn't even have to fire him. He disintegrated. Literally, he he disintegrated. He just like he just everything that he did over the past you know months of working is it just disintegrated. He just woke up one morning. He just couldn't he couldn't handle any responsibility because his buddy from California moved back into his apartment and over a couple of months everything that he worked on for years just dropped away. You got to call it out. This relationship is broken. You know why? Because you're really not good to me. How many people are in relationships right now with people that are not good to them? And I'm like, what are you doing in the relationship? And 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 they just abuse them. And they know it, but they can't call it out. How many things are inside us that are real temptations, that are hurting us, that are preventing us from becoming who we are? These addictions that we have, these habits that we've formed, the things that we do, and we don't call it out. We don't point to it and go, it's this. And by the way, it's hurting us. Unless you can stare down a faction of the Islamic faith, not all of them, there's plenty that are peace-loving and say, this faction wants us dead. If we can't stare down that and point it out and go, these people want us dead, you're never going to attack the problem. And this is the problem with the political correctness system in America. They're so scared to call it out. So then it allows it to fester. But it also applies to to each and every one of us in our lives. There's something in our life that's holding us back. And we never stare at it and call it out and say, this is why I'm not who I am. This is why my marriage is not where it should be. This is why I cannot have a relationship with my child. Because I want him to be like me. And he just acting the way he wants or probably acting the way you acted back when you were younger. I want my husband or wife to be like this. I want the world to be like this. I want my boss. I and we just a call. And you know what the truth is? It comes from I'm insecure, which is most of the problem. It comes from I'm a little egotistical. It comes from I'm a little unsure. But if you call it out, if you call it out, it, now you can deal with it. Now you can see it. You can touch it. When we come back, we're going to talk about something positive to learn from the terrorist attack. Believe it or not, there's something positive that you can learn about what these terrorists are doing. It's they, Whatever they're doing isn't positive, but like everything in life, you can learn a little bit of something from them. And if we take something positive from them, wouldn't that be a good way to get back at them? So all coming up right when we come back. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show, and this is The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on The Blaze Radio Network. 
Don't miss Pat and Stu. Kasich right. actually not only has no chance to win, he's also horrible. He's not good on policy. He is uh, a t- he has a, obviously has the weird Kasich lip thing going on, which yeah. is which is just strange. His strange hand gestures, bad delivery. I mean, he's you know inarticulate in comparison to some of these other candidates. It's just a it's a terrible combination. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. It's not just about the facts. It's about perspective. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. Welcome back to the Charlie Harari Show. Speaking about terrorism, the impact that it has on our lives, more importantly, how we can defend it and defeat it. And defending and defeating terrorism and defending and defeating anything in life really comes from the beginning of being able to call it out. And this is something that may sound simple, but try it. It's a lot harder than you think. Being able to sort of identify and quarantine a problem is really the beginning of how problems are solved. That's really what it is. And unless you can spend the time to understand the root of why things are going wrong, you, you, you are always playing defense when it sneaks up on you, right? I mean, just think about it from two different perspectives. On the one hand, you see these individuals living throughout our country. And if you just called it out and said, okay, people that fit this demographic and believe these beliefs and say these things are probably going to be the highest level of threat. Let's figure out how to deal with this. You're always going to be playing defense. But that's how it works in life. If you're not going to understand why you failed, why you came up short, why you're struggling and suffering, what's the root of your problem, you're always going to be waking up one morning feeling like you're broken and not knowing where it comes from. It's difficult, but it's important. But I want to take a little bit of a different approach, if I will, if if you allow me. Because I once had a mentor that said to me that um, the greatest way you can defeat your enemies is, is, is by learning something from them. It's an interesting way of seeing it. They're everyone and everything, if they are successful with what they're doing, there's something to be learned from. Right? People that are evil and doing evil things, if they were successful at their evil, the success of their, ev- of their evilness still leaves clues of success. They just use their abilities for evil, but they still use something that works. And the best way to defeat your enemies is to take what they did and learn something from it so that you can become better. What better way to undermine the goals of your enemies than to not only survive, but to thrive off of their actions? So what do we learn from our terrorists? What do we learn from people that are willing to strap bombs on themselves and blow themselves up in public places to the detriment of strangers? What do we learn from individuals that are dedicated solely to the destruction of our humanity? So I think there's two lessons that we can really learn from them. And I want to delve into them with you right now. And these are two lessons that I think if we put them into our lives, I think if we put them into our lives for good, we'd become different people. If we allow ourselves to take the lessons from evil and place them to good, 
we would be much more successful at the good in our lives. So let's just sort of spend a minute or two delving into the life of a terrorist. A terrorist is somebody that begins his life being radicalized. And what that means is the initial process of radicalizing somebody is an indoctrination into a belief. You're not going to blow yourself up because you didn't get your mortgage paid on time. That person owes you a couple of bucks. Or that person's pitcher struck out your batter and you lost the World Series. It's not going to work that way. In order for you to become radicalized, you need to have an elevated level of belief. You have to believe in something that is greater than the world. Then it's greater than the pettiness of how the world goes. You have to believe that you are fighting for a cause as big as the world itself. Because if you didn't believe it was so big, you wouldn't kill yourself over it. The belief has to extend past daily life. And once you have that level of belief, then you are ready to start to see yourself as a piece of that mission. And so the first step of radicalization is clarity of purpose. There is a goal. There is a vision. There is a mission. And it's that mission that you believe in so strongly that you're willing to sacrifice yourself. And by the way, this isn't new stuff for us. Every person that puts on a soldier's uniform believes in a mission. I would go a step further and say it may not be this much, but every person that puts on any uniform believes in a mission. I remember when I was in high school, I used to play high school varsity basketball. I'll never forget this. So we were in this playoff game, and um, the ball we were down by two, and we had the ball. And my the point guard on my team threw the ball, and it got tipped by one of our guys. The guy was tried to catch it and make a move, and he didn't, and he it tipped off his fingers, and it was going out of bounds, and it was coming close to where I was. I'll never forget. And I saw the ball coming. I took a, I literally took a step, and I dove headfirst for the ball, saved it, and my head went into this, into the rafters, into the wooden. My my high school had like wooden rafters. Clunk, just boom. And was like, oh, my mom went crazy, you know. And then like, you know, I, I woke, I, I. I got back up on my feet, but I was feeling a little woozy. They didn't let me play. They brought me into a doctor. I had a little bit of a concussion. So my mom makes this, this appointment with a specialist. And I walk into his thing and say, all right, so what happened? I said, well, I dove for a ball, and my head went into the stands. And the guy looked at me, I'll never forget this. Like, he's one of those guys that, like, never played a day of sports his whole life. You know, those guys that, like, never watched sports. Plays, doesn't understand the idea of why people would run after a pigskin. You know that whole, right, that guy. So he goes, why would you put yourself at risk for a sport. I'm like, what? It was a playoff game. You know what I'm saying? I would, jump, I would jump off a bridge to win a playoff game. Right? Like, you see this all the time. You see players putting themselves out there physically to win a game. Because as soon as you put a uniform on, as soon as you have a clarity of mission, yourself starts to, to be less important in your eyes. Taking care of yourself, worrying about yourself, being all the things that we spend our time thinking about starts to limit when there's a clarity of something greater to jump into. That's why people will stand online to vote for a candidate. It's because the thought that they can be part of the political process, which is bigger than themselves, 
allows them to do things that they wouldn't have otherwise done. But if you ask them to stand on line at a red light, they'd go out of their minds. Or on a gas line, or on line at like the McDonald's or something, they go crazy. So why are they standing on line for six hours to vote? Because when you're voting, you're part of something. If you want to change, if you want to be great, you got to understand what you're part of, what you're playing for. What are you playing for? What are your ideals in this world? What are your beliefs? What's your vision? What team are you on? Are you playing for your faith? Are you playing for your country? Are you playing for your family? Are you playing for your company? What team are you playing for? What vision are you understanding? If you have a company, if you have a team, if you have a family, if you have a group of people of the same faith, unless you are articulating a clarity of purpose, you're not going to get the best out of them. Because what makes us move is our ability to move towards a purpose and to see that purpose in front of us, to fight for something bigger than ourselves. And when you can see something that's bigger than yourself come in front of you, you start to see your life as a small piece of the larger puzzle. And that life is so much more enjoyable than a life about me. We live in a world where we are being trained to be about me. Me, me, and me. Everything is about us. When we're, we, we put on our phones, and if it doesn't turn on within a second, we're like mad at Verizon. You ever get that? You're like, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? Like it's going to space in a minute, in a, in a nanosecond. You're going to have something in your hand that can connect you to the universe and bring you information quicker than the, king, the kings couldn't get 100 years ago. And we're like mad that Verizon, it's like taking another second for it to turn on. We're spe- everything gets, gets personalized, specialized today. We live in a world that it's about me. iPhone, right? I, 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 I. And it's so difficult. We don't realize that when you live in a world that's about me, you live a less fulfilled life. Because even if you get everything that you want, there's something greater than me, and that's us. I and we all know this because that's why we watch sports, that's why we watch movies, that's why we we do these things, that's why we watch politics because we all want to feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves. Life is so much more fun and more enjoyable, more satisfying if you're playing for a team, if there's some kind of goal, if there's a flag you can look to, if there's a song you can sing, if there's something more than yourself around you, then if it's just about what I do and what I make and when I'm comfortable and me and me and me. And sometimes the reason we're not more successful in life is because we haven't articulated the clarity of what we're playing for. What are we playing for? Are playing for my family? Am I playing for my company? What am I playing for? What vision do I want the world to see that I see? What life do I want to bring to somebody else that I can bring to them? Do I want to hand society when I die throughout my life? What kind of change do I want to be in the world? 
when those are the questions we ask ourselves, we start to see ourselves as smaller pieces of the pie. Now, if those are questions that you ask yourself in the world of evil, then the answers become blow yourself up and kill people. But you got to ask the same questions in the world of good. Because in the world of good, the answers are not blow yourself up. The answers are help, give, sacrifice, dedicate. And we see them right in front of our eyes. And just being part of it makes it something that is so special. And it's, it's a totally different way of living your life. When you see somebody who has nothing and then he gets thrown into a world that they tell him that you're going to... Now, listen, to believe this stuff is a question into itself. Okay, but that's a whole other story. Like, how do they believe this? But that's just me and you talking. But to take somebody and you say that there's an entire world out there, the caliphate, and everyone's, you know, fighting the, the you know, and, and, and Allah wants everybody to be under Sharia law, and these are the infidels, and we're on the good team, and then when you die, and you get all these virgins, and da, 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 everyone, uh, and, and you get them into in their heads, and they start to believe that they're, they're, they're contributing to the future of the, the eternal law under Allah, they're, that each and every one of them starts to see that being part of something bigger than themselves is actually much more enjoyable than living their own little tiny lives. And by the way, it's not just poverty. Lots of suicide bombers were middle-class, upper-class people. It's purpose that they want. It's connection. It's togetherness. It's, it's living a life that has meaning. And these radical evil people hand meaning out they're making the whole thing up and as a result people are willing to give their entire bodies away to be part of this meaning so the question is how do we use that for good and that's the question that each and every one of us has to walk away with because that's this is the this is the playbook this is it the playbook is straight up it's figure out the clarity of purpose and if you do we individually and collectively will come around it to be better. That's the playbook. That works. Either it's done for bad, and you get Brussels, and Paris, and San Bernardino, and 9-11, or it's used for good, and you get the United States military, and you get all the credible organizations around the country that are helping people, and you get all the wonderful parents that are sacrificing for their kids and you get all the good that's being given every single day and you get all the health that's being brought to the world you get the growth and the goodness of society and each and every one of us has a choice do I stick to myself and be selfish and live a decent life or do I find the clarity of my purpose and be selfless and live a higher, upgraded life. And if this is one thing that we, I think we could take from our evil um, parts, the evil parts of our world, is their clarity of purpose and their desire to sacrifice for that purpose. We come back, we're actually going to talk about that. What does it mean to sacrifice for a purpose? Because just having the clarity is not enough. It's all coming up when we come back. You're listening to The Charlie Harari Show, and this is The Blaze Radio Network. This is The Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari on The Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Anyone, male or female, can enter any bathroom. 
for male or female at city playgrounds, pools, or offices without worry or hesitation and will never have to show an ID to prove your identity. What could possibly go wrong? The Jeff Fisher Show, Saturday morning, 6 to 8 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Delve into current events to uncover relevant wisdom. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari. Welcome back to the Charlie Harari Show, talking about terrorism and what we can learn from it. I mean, I think this is something that maybe a little irreverent, but hey, that's what it's about. It's about trying to see the world in a new light, and terrorism can provide that. Uh, we spoke a little bit about calling evil out for what it is and not being scared to say what it is, because that's really how you can get better. And then we spoke about what it's like to have a purpose and how clarity of purpose actually brings out the best in us or the worst in us. And I want to end with one thought and one sort of last idea about what we can learn from terrorism, terrorists. And every time I see this, I, I think to myself, what a waste. You know, these are people that are sacrificing themselves for the sort of cause that will go nowhere. And they're only hurting people and hurting their families and hurting themselves. But there's still a lesson that we can draw from it. Like I said earlier in the show, for those of you who are joining us right now, there's the best way we can fight our enemies is to not only beat them and to survive their attacks, but to thrive from them. Not any way to learn from their evil, but to actually understand that if they're doing something that is working, unfortunately, for the bad, we can suck away their knowledge and use it for the good. And what I'm always taken by is the idea of sacrifice. When somebody decides to engage in terrorism, what they're saying is, I'm going to sacrifice everything from what my beliefs are. Now, I think their beliefs are corrupt and evil, but there's something about sacrifice that puts you on a place that the world can't handle you. The reason why the world can't handle the Islamic fundamentalists is because they're willing to sacrifice themselves for bad, but they're sacrificing themselves. And in order to become great at life, in order to achieve your goals, in order to achieve your purpose, you cannot get there unless you're willing to sacrifice. You can't get to a great life by trying to get there comfortably. You can't achieve anything meaningful unless you're willing to sacrifice, to stay up late, to work harder, to to push yourself when you when you can't move, to fight in a place where you think you can't fight. When you're willing to sacrifice, you then you will accomplish the things that you couldn't accomplish otherwise. And I think sometimes in life we want stuff. But what we're willing to do to get that is take ourselves really to the edge of being comfortable and then stopping. And if someone can give it to us quick and free, we'll just take it. But to actually work for it, to sacrifice, that may be a little bit too much. But maybe that's what we're missing. Maybe what we're missing in life is the ability to deep down 
see what we want in life, have that clarity, and then be willing to sacrifice ourselves to get there. And if we can do that for good, if we can take that same principles, but as opposed to the evil that they're bringing to the world, we can use it for good, who knows just how much light we can bring to the world. And maybe that's the greatest fight against terrorism, is for every bit of darkness, we bring the light. You're listening to The Charlie Hararu Show. Can't wait to speak to you next week. And this is the Blaze Radio Network. It's more than just events. It's what they mean to your life. This is the Charlie Harari Show with Charlie Harari.